Today's message is found in Revelation chapter 1. Everything I just said ties directly to this message today. We continue our series through the Revelation entitled The Unveiling. And the message today is entitled Numbers. I dare say you've probably not ever heard a message like this. Numbers. Revelation chapter 1. I want you to think about numbers with me today. Numbers. Have you ever thought about how important numbers are to us? Whether it's arithmetic or math or algebra or geometry Calculus, trigonometry, or whatever, numbers are foundational to my and your life. They tell us much. They tell us our age. Hello? The only thing worse that they tell us, they tell us our weight. They tell us our blood pressure. They tell us our cholesterol. They tell us our triglycerides, our enzymes. You go into medicine. The body, everything, every time the doctor looks at a report, he's looking at some kind of numbers. With numbers, we send people to the moon, travel in space. With numbers, we program computers. With numbers today, we even coach ball teams. With numbers today, we do all kind of things. We balance checkbooks. It's all about the numbers. Have you ever thought about where we'd be without numbers? We'd be in chaos. Chaos. Years ago, the schools used the Bible to teach reading, and uh, then they went to the primer. I have a little copy of that New England primer lay inside my bed they used to teach reading with. And for many years, education was defined by three R's reading, writing, and not arithmetic, that's not right. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's the Southern way of saying it. My daddy used to love to tell this. His favorite story was when he was a kid in North Marion County. He had a friend to come over one morning. He said, y'all not going to guess what I had for breakfast this morning. It starts with an N. It wasn't an apple, and it wasn't an orange. It was a neg. Reading, writing, arithmetic. All the English teachers just turned me off. Here's the point. Literally everything we do today is by the numbers. That's today. When God began to convey his word, his story to mankind through the Bible, through inspiring writers, he on many occasions used symbols and numbers. Because as I've already told you and you already know is that words change meanings. Words today mean different things. Many words today mean different things than it did 100 years ago, than it did 50 years ago, than it did 25 years ago. And so God used symbols and numbers as his constant so that he could communicate to his people because symbols and numbers generally don't change. When we look into time, that'd be today, and eternity, what we'll discover is that God's system of numbers, 
will be the key, and his symbols will be the key for us understanding his word and his future. So with that in mind, and if you found Revelation chapter 1, we're going to read a few verses from uh, Revelation 1. Would you stand to honor the reading of God's holy word? Verse 4, John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, who is to come, and from the seven spirits. Now drop down to verse 10. I, John... Your brother and partner in the affliction, kingdom, and endurance that are in Jesus was on the hour called Patmos. Sorry, I started a verse earlier because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet. For all those singers that sing that Gabriel is going to sound the trumpet, I don't believe that Gabriel will sound the trumpet at all. I believe it will be Jesus, that trumpet-like voice. I don't think Jesus would, for anything in the world, hand that responsibility over to Gabriel. He's going to do it himself. He's got the voice like the trumpet. Saying, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Verna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was one, like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. Matthew will drop down to verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and of the Seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels, the pastors, the appointed leaders of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that today as we walk through your system of numbers and what they mean, I pray that it will be more than a time of information I pray that you will inspire us. I pray that you will open our minds, and I pray that you will pour into us the truth about your number for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In our verses, we read many times the number seven. In Revelation chapter 1, depending on your translation, Seven will appear between 11 and 12 times. Seven is a big number in Scripture. In fact, a friend of mine, Dr. James Merritt, and others have suggested that the book of the Revelation can be divided into seven sevens. The seven sevens of Revelation, I'm going to put this up here with a stroke. The first three chapters talk about the seven churches. The next three chapters talk about the seven seals. The next three chapters talk about the seven trumpets. The next three talk about the seven personages. The next three, the seven bowls or vials. The next three, seven judgments. And the final three talks about seven new things. It's a book. It's a perfectly book. This is not blind chance. This is divine choice. God has a plan, and numbers will unlock 
the key. So let's just get right into it. I'm going to tell you three things. I just want to share with you three things if you have your bulletin there. The first thing I want you to see is the practical science of numbers. The practical science of numbers. God has written two books for mankind. God has written two books for mankind. One is the Bible and the other is nature. And by the way, if you think, how is this going to help me live tomorrow? You hang on because your number is going to be called toward the end, okay? Two books in in, uh, all creation, the book of the Bible and the book of nature. And man has been working hard and diligently over all of these years to understand it. In nature... The more tools we acquire, the more discoveries we make, the more we come to understand that the universe is driven by numbers. In our academia, whatever you study in some form will have numbers in it. Astronomy, chemistry, biology, botany, technology, all of these are loaded with numbers. And just to be clear, brothers and sisters, mankind did not invent numbers in the numbering system. We simply discovered them and are trying to find the best way, learn the best way to use them. For some people, numbers come easy. Are you one of those people? Numbers come easy. Others are intimidated by numbers. I confess to you, that until you get to logarithms and math, the lower grade of math comes very easy to me. I can generally do a calculation in my head pretty quickly, but a lot of people cannot. In fact, there was a, to tell you how it imitate, intimidates some people, little Steve, I'll pick on Steve today. Little Steve was in elementary school, and he is having trouble with math. That's probably not a big stretch, is it, Steve? Not a big stretch. He's having trouble with math. And so he took that assignment, and he couldn't get it done, so he just gave up and quit. And his teacher looked at him, and he said, she said, Steve, if you had $29 in one pocket and you had $21 in another pocket, what would you have? And Steve, without thinking, said, I'd have somebody else's britches on. You see, the truth is, the message today for us, if you just want it, the message is don't be put off by numbers. Because the Bible is replete with numbers. Creation is replete with numbers. The story is replete with numbers. Okay, I always, I always, I never rarely do this, so, so I'm going to tell you, this is going to be what you call audience participation. That means you speak and you speak loudly. You don't just mumble, okay? Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a couple of questions. How many did Jesus feed with the five loaves and the two fishes? Okay, half of you know. We're going to have to get you back to Sunday school. How many were saved at Pentecost? 3,000. How many disciples were there? How many commandments were they? How many years did the children of Israel wander? And y'all are getting weaker, by the way. Are you going to sleep? How many, how many years did the children of Israel wander in the wilderness? 
Thank you. We are awake. Yes. You see, everything is, by the way, let me give you, this is the last one, this is the best one. What is the title, the name of the fourth book in the Bible? Oh, come on, mumble again. I'll do that again for those who don't know the Bible that well. What is the name of the fourth book in the Bible? Numbers. Yes. You see, numbers may not be important to you, but it is important. They are important to God. It's important to us. It's fundamental. Practical science of numbers. But then I want to move to number two, the providential symbolism of numbers. How God uses numbers. What numbers mean. Now I'm going to put a chart. We're going to put a chart up here. And we're going to just, don't go crazy. We'll just take 12 of them and give you kind of an understanding. You'll let you write them down. The number one, when it's seen in Scripture, is the cardinal number. It is the number that represents God. It speaks of unity. It speaks of harmony. It speaks of, of primacy. There is only one God. Everything is divisible by one. The truth is, is that you can look this up. You can go to Deuteronomy 6, Zechariah 14, and Ephesians 4. One is the big number. Here's what I want to say to you. While there are many local congregations, even many denominations, there's only one body of Christ. There's only one body of Christ. There are denominations that I believe interpret the Bible in the wrong way. But if they get the salvation right that's only through Jesus, they'll be in heaven with me. Hello? But there's only one church. There's only one spirit. uh, There's only one God. There's only one redeemed family. There's only one. Two. Two stands for... Witness and confirmation. You go, what, what in the world are you talking about, Brother Jerry? John eight seventeen says this. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. You have to have one witness and one confirmation. That's the two. And the Bible is replete with that. But this book, the Bible, there are two testaments. The New Testament is a confirmation of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, nobody could be, um, nobody could receive capital punishment except there were at least two witnesses. Today, in our present, in our present uh, system of uh, uh, how we do business meetings, Robert's Rules of Water tells us if a motion comes from the floor, not from a committee, but from the floor, if the motion comes from the floor, there must be a second. That's part of this confirmation. Jesus is the second person in the Trinity. Luke tells us that there were two angels at the tomb, two angels at the ascension. We also know that at the Mount of Transfiguration, there were two people, Elijah and Moses, who appeared with Jesus. We get over to Revelation 11. There are two witnesses who testify and confirm Almighty God. And they confirm that He is who He says He is. Obviously, obviously. Two, witness and confirmation. They confirm one another. Number three, it's easy. It is deity, divinity, and trinity. This scene in the Holy Holy Trinity, the Father. Wait a minute. I feel like you've gone to sleep. Say it with me. Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit. They're seen as three in one. We talked about this two weeks ago. You try to explain away the you try to explain the Trinity, you may lose your mind. You try to explain it away, you may lose your soul. But it is a truth. Three in one. That is our God. But I want you to think about God's creation. God's creation is in three parts. Think about think about time. You have a past. You have a present. You have a future. Think about space. You have a height, width, and depth. The world, the world, just think about the world. You have animal, mineral, and vegetable. A person, you. Are you ready for this? You have mental, physical, and spiritual. And it's seen in your mind, your body, and your soul. Even the devil, even the enemy tried to counterfeit how God put things together. Sin manifests itself from him. Sin manifests itself in word, thought, and deed. Does that impact you? Word, thought, and deed. We are tempted by the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are even told of the three sins that plague us. Are you listening? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. When we think of three, never forget that the Holy Trinity is the one in control. I will tell you that some people say that's why we sing holy, holy, holy in the Old Testament. That's why it was sung in heaven in the Revelation. But, but really, in, in the Old Testament, holy, holy, holy is... Uh, um, from the Greek standpoint, it's the absolute um, highest pentacle of praise because you can't conjugate your words in Greek. And so in order to emphasize them, holy, holy, holy. Let's move on. Four, it speaks of the earth. It speaks of God's creation. Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Revelation point to, are y'all listening? To the four corners of the earth. Now, admittedly, Back in those days, that's when they thought the earth was flat. But the four corners of the earth speak of north, south, east, and west. In other words, when those, when those people are sent through the four corners of the earth, it's all over the earth. It covers the earth. Even a picture of that's multiples of four, like 40, like eight, like... 16. I mean, we could, go, we could be here all day. But it's just to show you about this, God's creation, do you remember them? How many years? This is, a, this is where you're supposed to speak. I know I have to tell you that because you talk really good except when you get in here. That was a joke. How many years did Noah preach? 120. I got three people that know. Okay, we're, we're gaining on it. The truth is, is that Moses took the children of Israel into the, the desert for how many days? For how many years? Forty years. Multiple of four. Jesus went into the, into the wilderness before he was tempted. And he fasted for how many days? Forty. You see, it all begins to pull together. Number five. 
Number five means completeness or fullness. And it can be compared to number seven we'll get to in a second. A person is deemed to be complete if he has how many fingers? Five. Ten, multiples. Okay? Deemed to be complete with five fingers, five toes, and by the way, five senses. You think that's an accident? And by, the, and by example, we need to think about that 10 is a multiple of 5. We discover the completeness or fullness with the 10 commandments. We understand how 10 works into this. When the Antichrist rules, he sets up a 10-nation confederacy. He is seen to have complete when we read that in the scripture, he's seen to have complete control and authority over the earth. And there's no one that can stand against him at that point except, except Jesus. The Antichrist, the Antichrist will be defeated by Jesus. One last thought before I leave this is that you remember the story that Jesus told about the ten uh, foolish and wise virgins? Great picture of the church. Do you remember that story? In fact, after doing this study, I thought I want to. In my heart, I want to bring. I want to bring a message. It may be before our next revival, first of February. You had the story of the ten virgins, ten foolish. Excuse me. Uh, five foolish, five wise. Half of them were not ready. Hello. Half of them were lazy. When the bridegroom came, they were not ready. Could that be a picture of the churches today? That half of the churches are not ready. Six. We know what the six is. It's the story. It's a man. Man was created on the sixth day. Let me rain on your parade, those who've gone to four-day work weeks. He was created on the sixth day and told to work six days. Tradition holds it that Jesus died on the sixth day. Goliath, the best that mankind could offer, stood six cubits tall, six pieces of armor, And those of his lineage had six fingers on their hands and six toes. If you let your mind run forward to Revelation 13, you'll be reminded of the number 666. Six represents perfect imperfection, which is mankind. But if you won't, Perfection. You look on the screen, add three, Trinity, plus three, plus one. And you get to number seven. Seven is the one for perfection. It's the key. It's one of the most important numbers in the Bible. You take that divine number of three and you add to it God's creation, four, and you get seven. Genesis chapter 1 in the Hebrew language has seven Greek words 
in it. The truth is, is that Genesis 1 holds us a, a lot of um, a lot of awareness. If we take a look at, at Genesis 1, that first verse in the Hebrew has seven words. You look down through uh, uh, Genesis 1, and you find a lot of little a little things that will help you. The Hebrew alphabet has 28 letters, 7 times 4. Revelation 1-4 speaks of this truth. The Holy Spirit's completeness for all of us is what is needed. Everything that he gives, the Spirit gives. When you look at, at verse 4, you look here... And he's talking about the seven spirits before the throne. He's talking about the perfect spirit. He's not talking about seven individual spirits. He's talking about the spirit giving us everything we need. When you see seven, think of God. Eight. Eight. Eight speaks of new things. It speaks of new beginnings, if you will. Creation tells a story. Because God had seven days in a week, and the eighth day was the first day of the new week. Creation will honor this. I'll pick on uh, the things that I'm familiar with, music. In traditional classical music, <clears throat> when you play in a band, they teach you to number your notes by letters, A, B, C, D, E, E, F, G. And then it's A again. You go in the studio or on the stage, more times than not, those letters are transferred into numbers. And so, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, which is one. It starts all over again. It's new things. And if you think, if you think about all the things in the Scripture, you'll discover that, that new things happen on the on the eighth day. In the Old Testament, circumcision was administered on the eighth day as a sign of Old Testament salvation. You, you read the New Testament, a lot of things happen on the eighth day. The transfiguration ha- is said to have happened on the eighth day. The resurrection happened on the eighth day. The appearance to the disciples and Pentecost and even John's experience here when I was in, when I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. First day, the eighth day. We move a little quicker. Number nine. The plan of finality and faith. Paul lists the fruits of the Spirit. He said the fruit of the Spirit is, and then he listed nine attributes. Speaks of faith. Jesus said it is finished, and he passed away on the ninth hour. We could continue, but let's go forward. Ten. Testimony. Law. Completeness of order. The truth is, is that Genesis 1, you read it 10 times in Genesis 1, it says, God said. Shows God's creative and perfect power. The truth is, is that there are 10 commands. There are 10 lost tribes of Israel. If you remember when they, you had 10 and 2 when they split. The tenth day of the first month was the day that the lamb was chosen to be sacrificed. And the tenth day 
of the seventh month was the day of atonement. Ten is huge. Eleven. Chaos and responsibility. Coming after ten, coming before twelve, it's in the middle, and it is the opposite of those two. It brings problems. Judas denied Jesus, uh, betrayed Jesus, then he went out and hanged himself, and there was only 11 disciples. And confusion followed. Nobody really knew what to do. Here's the one that as I dug in the scripture and dug in my studies that really spoke to me. The children of Israel exited Egypt. They traveled 11 days, and they got to Kadesh Barnea. They were only one day shy of the promised land. One day. They stopped at 11, and they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness because of their mistake. That speaks to me greatly. The word 12, I mean the number 12, represents God's governmental number. There were 12 sons of Jacob. Thus there were 12 tribes of Israel. It correlates to the 12 thrones that we read about the rule and reign of God. There are 12 hours of daylight, literally. There are 12 months in a year. There are 12 apostles. Jesus, it says, could have called 12 legion of angels. Jesus was 12 when they took him to the temple. 12 was the age of, uh, um, of manhood. The tr- we can move on and just say that that if you look in the Revelation, there are 12 foundations, there are 12 gates, there are 12 angels. Heaven is 12,000 square long, uh, excuse me, 12,000 furlong square. Revelation 4.4, which comes a little later, talks about the 24 thrones, thrones, 12 time two. Could it be that as we look through Revelation that we're seeing the merchant of the law and grace? Is that why these numbers are so important? Now then, the part you've been waiting for. I want to end with this. The personal significance of numbers. The personal significance of numbers. If you haven't been listening, if you lulled off to sleep, I want to ask that you give me the next five or six minutes. Because all of these numbers are not just info. You know, when a preacher stands on Sunday, there is some information to be delivered. But hopefully there's some inspiration to be gained. But there has to be integration into your life. Truth is, most of us in this room have heard enough preaching to live for Christ for the next 150 years. I heard a story of a preacher. He came to a new pastorate. And he got up that first Sunday and he preached. The pastor search team Pud was just so proud. He preached so good. They came back that night. He preached the same message again. Well, that concerned him a little bit. The next Sunday he came back, Brent, and he preached that same message again. That night he preached the same message. Now the deacon says, You got a matter of meeting in the hallway going, What's going on with our preacher? Third week, he got up and he did the same thing Sunday morning and Sunday night. And after Sunday night service, the deacons gathered out in the yard and said, somebody got to talk to this preacher. And they turned to the pastor search committee chairman. Don't you like that, bud? 
And they said, you need to talk to him. And he goes, okay. So the preacher went by his house, knocked on his door, and the preacher was there, and, and he said, uh, preacher, can I talk to you? And he said, yeah. He said, there's some concern in the church about you being our pastor. And he said, oh, really? What is it? He said, you've been here the better part of a month, and you've only preached one sermon. He said, I know. He said, don't you have others? He said, I do, and I can develop more. And he said, well, what are you doing? He said, when you all start listening to what I'm telling you, then I'll move on to something else. You see, these are not just sermons that come and bore you for 45 minutes. These are things that are supposed to, yes, inform you, inspire you, and then be integrated into your life. The personal significance of numbers. Number one, now it's not going to be on the screen, just have to follow. Number one tells us that there is a God. One God. The God. And he loves you. He loves you whoever you are. He loves you whatever you've done. He loves you whatever your past is. He is concerned about you. He's concerned about your life. He's concerned about what controls you. We may hear a message about that in days to come. What is it that's really controlling your schedule, controlling your life? He cares about your sin. He cares about your future. He cares about your punishment. He cares about your salvation. Whether you'll miss hell or whether you'll make heaven, one. Two reminds us that God has been confirmed in our creation. We're told to look around. People can say, well, I, you know, I don't see God anywhere. It's kind of like uh, the cosmonaut went up in the 50s said, I see God nowhere. And then our first astronaut went up and said, I see God everywhere. The Bible tells us, both in Psalms and Romans, that God is revealed to you in creation. You can see his handiwork. Three shows us what we could never understand on our own. The simplicity, the complexity, and the divinity of God. He is the three in one. The God of the Old Testament center stage, Jesus in the gospel center stage, and since Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit. He's available. He's here. And I just want to say this to us Baptists. We have for far too long put the Holy Spirit in the closet and told him to stay there and don't bother us. Three. Four. Four is a reminder that the world is indeed God. He created it. He designed it. He put it together. And now he's redeeming it because the world as you know it, the world as I know it, this world is headed for a collision course with God the Father. And only people who are going to miss that collision are those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Five tells us, the number five tells us, that God will complete what he starts. If you don't know that, you need to write this down and commit it to memory. Philippians 1.6 He who began a good work in you is able to complete it. He will not let you go. He will not let you out. He's proof he will see you through. Six reminds us, now God is getting pointed that we are imperfect beings 
As imperfect beings, we need something. We need someone. You, as good as you are, I, as good as I might be, we can never achieve perfection or holiness or righteousness or completeness on our own. We can't save ourselves. Seven speaks of God's perfect character demonstrated by his perfect love for us. He demands, or you, I want you to hear this, 21st century Americans. He demands perfection. He demands holiness. But we cannot deliver either of those on our own. So he provided a way for us, and that way is Jesus. Jesus, not just being able to say his name or speak his name, but to embrace him and let him come into your life and let him be in control of your life. Lastly, eight. Eight. Newness. He has called you to be a new person. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. He hadn't just been renovated. He hadn't just knocked a few walls out and changed it. The old has been destroyed. The old has passed away, and he's made something new inside of you. That's God's call to every person in this room today. By the numbers, we need a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. We need to be reconciled to God just as surely as you take your bank book and you reconcile it to the bank. We need to be made right before Him. Now, we've gone through a lot of stuff today that you might have ever understand and I might have confused you. Mark Twain says, there are people that, that say, I'm concerned about that part of the Bible that I don't understand. And Mark Twain said, I'm not so much concerned about that part of the Bible I don't understand. I'm concerned about that part of the Bible I do understand. Here's the final thought. Like it, lump it, get mad at the preacher, I'm just the messenger. God has your number. And he knows what it is that controls you. He sees you, he hears you, and he knows. We do. We sing a great selection, Eric. I have a Savior, and he knows my name. If he is your Savior, he knows your name. If he's not your Savior today, he's calling your name. And he's saying, come to me. Let's pray together.